BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Episode 315, How to Build and Break Habits That Cause You to Overspend. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Mm, mm, mm. Jen's back, Jen's back, Jen's back. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My name is Jill. Oh, doesn't that feel so good? Ah. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Jen. (laughs) There she is. Her name is Jen. I'm so excited to be back. Yeah. What are you back from, Jen? Tell the people who don't know. For those of you who are new to the show, I had a baby. And I took some time off. For you, it was only three weeks. For me, it was two months. Uh, So it was, gosh, over two months, two and a half months. So... This is my first episode back, and I hope I remember how to record it. (laughs) So far, so good. This feels good to me. Back in the fold. We had some great co-hosts in the previous six episodes to this one, but Jen... It's good to see your face. Good to have it's you back. Me. It's fun to Hi. hear your crying baby the in the background on this it's me. podcast. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, No, that's good. It's real life. Okay. Okay. It's only going to be for the summer. So, uh, which brings us to the sponsor for this episode, the Summer Slowdown. So, Summer has graced us with its presence, and with it comes a slew of free activities put on by your city, church, school, parents, everyone. Activities. Summer is a time to stress less, and while that's easier said than done, we want to put our action where our mouth is. So for June and July, while my baby is still home and not in daycare, we are going to be releasing one episode per week. Will it cut our income in half for two months? Yes. Will it give us more time to enjoy the season and stress less with a small baby at home? Absolutely. But this is why we save and spend intentionally so we can afford to rest. So we will be back to two episodes per week in August, but we encourage you to rest with us this summer and embrace the summer slowdown. This is so beautiful. Well said, Mm. Jen. And there is permission for this. Speaking of building and breaking habits that cause us to overspend, there's nothing like cut your income to force you to spend less. And that's that's why we have 
some habits that we need to learn how to break so that we can do things like this and have freedom like this more easily. So. You'll still be getting your weekly episodes every Friday. Yes. It's still going to yes, be Frugal Friends Friday. Friday. You just won't be getting your Tuesday episode until August again. Yeah. So take your Tuesdays and do something productive. Do something. No, don't do anything productive. Do something unproductive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's tea time Tuesday. You can just take a tea time. That's it. All right. But if you are into habits, like we are, we are habit geeks. We love talking about the psychology behind habits. So if that is you too, or maybe you don't know it's you yet, we have a couple of other episodes that we talk about habits. So um, the first episode 274, how to align your spending with your values. That's a lot of how to obviously execute the habits that you're building. Episode 181 is our our primary other habit episode. So this this one is actually more of a 101. Episode 181, while we did it a while ago, is actually like step two. So that one, um, episode 181, how to identify and improve spending habits, really good one to listen to after Hmm. this. And if you want even more, you've heard us talk about it. We've got a free three-day spending makeover where we also touch on spending habits. And that's free. It's got free three free lessons in it and a workbook. So you can go to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash makeover. Um, and you can learn how to do full spending inventory, identify your values, and then start to build those skills necessary to improve your spending habits. Yay. Well, Mm -hmm. let's get into this. We've got some really great articles for you. The first one comes from CNBC, and it's titled Three Habits That Actually Cause You to Spend More Money, According to a Behavioral Researcher. So they are citing a lot of the findings of Marielle Beasley, who's the co-founder of Common Sense Labs, where she's talking about these habits. And then it's kind of an overview of that behavioral research that was done. And just begins by talking about how often we can have the best of intentions, but still make mistakes along the way because we're human. And I know Mm -hmm. for myself, that is still true, even though I have a personal finance podcast for five years alongside Jen, who I've learned so much from. I still am not hitting every goal and crushing my savings and spendings and investing and all of that. And and we can all have the best of intentions. I love the example that they give at the beginning of we can think and plan when we're going out to dinner, we're just going to have one glass of wine. But then, you know, we're with really good friends and you end up having three or I am going to challenge myself to save 50 bucks a month, but then by the end of the month, only find $25 in savings. So I think that this in a really succinct way gives some of the reasonings to why that happens. And the more we can understand that reality, the more we can respond well and see shifts. So while I'm not perfect, I know, Jen, you would say you're not perfect. (laughs) There can be improvement along the Mm -hmm. way, however, within this. Any overarching thoughts from you, Jen, on this one? 
Yeah, I so I once we get we're going to say the three habits, but I think traditionally when we think of quote unquote bad spending habits, we think of that ordering the two extra drinks at dinner. We think of the Starbucks drive through on the way to work, ordering takeout for lunch. So those are not the real habits that we're focusing on today. And so I just thought this was a very cool like there are deeper issues, deeper habits that cause those more superficial ones. And so I love that this article goes into those. And then the next article will go into more specifically how to break them. Yeah. So the first habit, habit number one, is that we can often tend to rely on our willpower to restrict our spending. We can think that that's enough. If I just grit my teeth and white knuckle this thing, that's going to be what helps me restrict my spending. And and the researcher explains that motivation, like anything else, and you've heard us describe this, it ebbs and flows. Motivation mm-hmm. can't be the thing that we're waiting on to just happen, to just befall us, and then the rest of life follows suit. So if you're just relying on sheer willpower to prevent you from making purchases, it's going to wear down over time and won't always be effective. They also reference how budgeting can be one of those things. Like, well, we try and restrict our spending through budgeting and then thinking it's our willpower that's going to help us keep in that place. Now, I love budgets, but I do think that this is highlighting an important thing about the way that we approach budgets. So creating a budget can help us know where our money goes, how to allocate it. But a lot of times if we're trying to use that as the motivator for our willpower in this effort to curb spending, it can lead to this cycle of overcompensation where maybe it works for a little bit of time. Oh yeah, I just saved all that much, but now we feel deprived and then we overspend and Mm -hmm. the gains are hardly anything because we've then overcompensated for them. So this just sheer relying on willpower doesn't work. Yeah. It's like, so when we talk about decision fatigue, it's the, for, you know, for those of you who don't know, decision fatigue is by the end of the day, like in the morning, your decisions are great because your mind is fresh. But by the end of the day, you are, you know, eating ice cream, impulse shopping on Amazon because your, your willpower literally has been depleted from your body. You're brain only has so much capacity to make decisions. And so instead of working against that, which is the real mistake, we need to be working with our our minds. So we need to be looking for those ways to kind of internally motivate ourselves to keep going. So part of that is, you know, quote unquote, find your why, but, but there are other smaller things that we need to be doing to really move on our own volition and not rely on willpower. Yeah. Habit number two is focusing more on immediate satisfaction versus long-term benefit. So like what I was just saying, when your willpower is depleted, then it makes it even harder to focus on the long-term benefit versus the immediate satisfaction. And I would say it's not a bad thing to focus on immediate satisfaction. Our brains are kind of wired to do that. But 
not doing it every single decision. So uh, most of our decisions have to be for long-term benefit. So I would say it's probably like an 80-20. If 80% of your decisions are sound and provide long-term benefit, then 20%, you could just like go off and impulse spend all of it at Target, you know? So we're not looking for perfection. We're just looking to do 80% right so that we can have the freedom to not think about it, not be so guilty with that other 20% or whatever ratio feels good to you. And that's a little bit just default mode. I feel as though immediate satisfaction is innate and it does Mm -hmm. take work to be able to identify long-term benefit and create ways for us to see some degree of short-term benefit while we're working towards long-term benefit. But mm-hmm. that's so often what what habits are. There, are. there are these things that have worked to some degree or have created shortcuts and efficiencies, but many of them aren't actually working in our favor. And so a lot of this is just becoming aware of those habits that aren't benefiting us and how can we shift that. Again, we'll get to that in the second article, but yeah, it's it's natural that we would want to focus on immediate satisfaction, but that in the long run is going to lead to that overspending. So that's another yeah. reason that we can find ourselves like in that rut. Why I had the best of intentions. Why did it end up this way? Mm-hmm. And these are these are some of the top three reasons. And the final one, habit number three, is just simply following the crowd. Keeping up with the Joneses or whoever it is that you follow on Instagram. This can highly and heavily influence how much money we spend and what we spend it on. We often will take cues from those around us on what we should be doing, how to belong. Again, this is one of those just innately programmed things of humanity. We want belonging. We want immediate satisfaction. We want efficiency. Mm -hmm. We want to believe that we've got the grit and willpower to just say no to whatever, whatever. But the reality is there's a lot, lot more forces at play here. And especially if we are not actively aware or intentional about that we can find ourselves buying the things, doing the things, having the experiences that maybe we don't even love that much. It's just what's happening with those around us and it's influencing the decisions that we're making. They reference research. Now, granted, I did not click on this to see if it met Jen's standards of research, but apparently (laughs) the Federal Reserve Bank of America, I'm sorry, the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia. I'm from Philadelphia, so to me that's America. The best of America comes from Philadelphia. I'm going to check this now. (laughs) Okay. The Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia found that if your neighbor wins the lottery, you're more likely to file for bankruptcy. This sounds like a ludicrous fact. I mean, first of all, how many people have they been able to actually study who won the lottery and then look at the behaviors of those lottery winners' neighbors? I can't imagine it was more than five. Feel free to report back, Jen. But still... 
the the point that they're trying <laughs> to make here is we are heavily influenced by those around me, around us, whether that is our neighbors, the place, just our immediate community, our friends, our coworkers, the people that we're choosing to follow on Instagram, social media. We will be influenced by their spending habits. And if we are not intentional about choosing something differently, that's just how it's going to shake out in our spending behaviors. Yeah. I, w- I want to note that uh, to quote the study, to examine this question, we rely on matched data on the universe of lottery winners and the universe of bankruptcy filers in a single Canadian province. So, what? And it's yeah. the Federal Bank Thank of you. Philadelphia doing this <laughs> research Thank on you for your rigorous Canada? citing standard CNBC. No, they uh, just wanted it because it sounded so crazy. Right. But so to bring it back around, these three habits are really important to look at. That's why it's important that we look in habits, because we only have a finite amount of willpower at the end of the day. So we want to put our actions on autopilot. That's what habits are. We focus more on immediate satisfaction. It's the way our brains are wired. So we want to have good habits and we want to just be intentional about our habits so that we're not falling into unintentional like limiting ones. I don't want to say bad versus good habits because one person's bad habit could be another person's good habit, but limiting and growth habits. And yeah, we follow the crowd. So we want to have 80% of our habits being, our actions being good habits. So in those times where you do follow the, you know, what the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia is saying you might do, you're mostly taken care of. So I do. I when you were saying this one, the habit number three, I was remembering I follow this guy um, at I think it's Shabazz or Shabazz says or just Shabazz. Yes. Yes. The rich people (laughs) and the the rich. Yeah. All the rich people. I don't even know if they're rich, but they just carefully and luxuriously curate all of this designer stuff and like Apparently, there's a part of TikTok where, like, fancy ice, like, filling your freezer with, like, fancy (laughs) ice is a thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just all so pointless. But if that's all you're seeing, and and he'll make just really funny commentary, like, poking fun at it. Not the person, but just, like, how ridiculous practices Mm -hmm. are. Like, if that's all you're seeing... You can think that's normal and you can follow the crowd with your fancy ice, but you really have to ask yourself, why? Mm-hmm. You know, is is this what I value or is this just something like I'm seeing in my brain is just automatically going to, I should do this. Uh, so yes. that's why habits are important. I do, I do love wa- and following checking him. your sources. <laughs> Thanks for checking, checking that source, Jen, because that was a wild fact. That turns out to not be maybe all that factual. And this is why we scour the internet on your (laughs) behalf (laughs) to save you from this insane research. Absolutely. But sometimes the research doesn't take that long. (laughs) (laughs) BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and 
Starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. So I actually, I love this next article and I can't believe we haven't covered it before. I actually looked at episode, the show notes for 181. I was like, we should have, I've read this article a million times, not a million, mm-hmm. but a lot. I was like, I'm, we have to have used it in 181. No, we didn't. So the next article is, is James Clear's How to Break a Bad Habit and Replace It with a Good One. It is one of my favorite articles on the internet. But in 181, we used a James Clear article um, on how to build good habits. So this one, we're focused on breaking habits and then to build habits, follow up with 181. I know Mm. that's in the title, but the point of it is to get you to listen to 181 after this one. (laughs) That's the big switch. James Clear is just a good resource too in learning more about habits. So it's why we reference this work so often. And, you know, there's not necessarily, oh, 10 tips, five steps, blah, 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 just kind of taking us through what causes bad habits, what can we do about it, what are some techniques that work. So we're just going to work our way through that. Yeah, feel free to start, Jen, with what what causes bad habits? All right. So what causes bad habits? Most of your bad habits, according to Clear, are caused by two things, stress and boredom. And I would say boredom in the sense that you're just not being intentional. It is always easier. We Our mind always takes the road with fewer obstacles. And so I would say maybe you're not bored, but your mind might be. So I would I would maybe even add a third. It's just like just like situational, like seasonal, kind of where you're at, not being intentional about where you want to go. A lot of bad habits, especially spending habits, can be caused from that. But also stress and definitely also boredom. I know mm-hmm. sometimes, especially with a newborn, if I just want to get out of the house, like I'm going to Target because it's too hot outside by 3 p.m. Yeah. It's like water. Our brains will take the path of least resistance. And I will caveat this by saying 
all of the other principles that we've talked about throughout this podcast still remain. We still have to recognize the season that we're in, our current capacities, what does kindness to ourselves and well-being look like right now, and, and we can't tackle everything all at once. And so really measuring whether you're in a season of maybe just maintenance or in a season of growth or wh- mm-hmm. whatever it is. I think, you know, Jen, I, I hear you say, oh man, there's these things that I'm doing. Yeah, but you have a brand new baby and a four-year-old and you're getting back into the pace of work life that going to Target might not be something that you want to be doing to cope in a year from now, but is it okay for now? Like there is still Mm -hmm. this spectrum of what is and isn't beneficial for us. And going to Target is still far better than going to the bar. (laughs) It is. It's far better than taking my newborn to (laughs) to the bar, bar, right? For sure. And that would be a coping mechanism too. So I think... Also <laughs> learning where you, you are along the way and being kind to yourself in this and recognizing that, okay, you you bite your nails, you go on shopping sprees, you overspend, or you like you might not be able to shift all of that all at once. Pick your mm-hmm. thing, decide what is okay, maybe for a season, check back in with yourself. It's all a part of this equation. Yeah, but he says at the the end of this, recognizing the causes of your bad habits is crucial to overcoming them. And so I think that just reiterates, you have to recognize the season that you're in and know, is this a season where I can change my bad habits or my limiting habits? Or is this a season where I can, you know, focus on this limiting habit, but not this one for this reason? So that is definitely number one. Awesome. Then the article goes on to explain how we don't eliminate bad habits, we replace them. Mm, so there's snaps. We're just going to pause there. Okay, picking back up. So there is no reality where we can just cut out of our lives something that is ill-informed, misplaced, misdirected, non-beneficial without replacing it with something else, without identifying, well, what will I do instead? If you're accustomed to going to Target every single Saturday as a way to just get out of the house and you end up spending money, you can't just stop that cold turkey. And that goes back to that first article of relying on willpower. Well, it just doesn't work. There would need to be something else coming in to replace that. What will you do instead? Instead, needs to be a really crucial integral part of this equation. Just even just that recognition that I'm not gonna, I'm not just gonna get rid of this habit. I'm gonna have to identify how to redirect it. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. You, it's like when you dig something out of a dirt road and you're driving over it, you want to replace that that thing that was in the road. You got to fill it back up with dirt in order to drive over the road, considering if it's a if it's a big thing that you dug out of the road. Mm. So <laughs> how big's the shovel? 
how I mean, how big is the thing you? I don't. I want to say like it was a dead animal or something, but but you, you got to fill it back up in order to drive over it. You don't just take it out and then you know drive over it. You'll get stuck. So that's kind of the idea: is that you don't take something away without replacing it because your brain just works easier. Um, it works more easily when you replace. So then we go into how do we replace? How do we break the bad habit? So I I like uh, James Clear's um, habit loop. It's a smidge different than the traditional habit loop of um, three phases. So he basically takes that habit loop and for every reason that you would perform a habit, he just like takes the opposite. You just do the opposite. So like the first part is, well, first you have to choose the substitute for your bad habit. But the first part of the habit loop is the cue. So you just make the cue like obvious or or you make the cue. Uh, that's how you build one. You make the cue kind of as um, disguise it as much as possible or ignore it as much as possible. So like if your habit is picking up Starbucks on the way to work in the drive-thru, you go a different way to work or you get in the lane farthest from the Starbucks. So you make it as hard to do the habit as possible. Cut out as many triggers as possible. And so that's the first step to breaking your bad habit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so which is twofold. It's that first choosing what the substitute is going to be, then cutting out as many triggers, the the thing that's going to come just before. Like if you always eat cookies when, when you're home and you're watching TV, then it might be something that don't watch TV at night. Like there might be cutting out these different triggers that always lead to the next thing of of the habit. Of course, mm-hmm. as it relates to finances and spending, there's different things to talk about there of if I always go to Starbucks on my way to work, then maybe I need a different path. I need to take a different way to work so that I'm not passing that Starbucks. And eventually that will turn the external motivators into internal motivators. But initially, our brains do need these things to just be removed. We can help ourselves out by eliminating some of those unnecessary temptations. The next thing that they recommend is to join forces with somebody. We love this because we think we go further together. And having community is a massive part of experiencing well-being and and quote-unquote success in feeling empowered in your personal finances and achieving goals. If we bring someone else along, whether you are aimed at the same exact goal or similar goals, or you both are just trying to achieve something, somebody else to be able to talk about that with. Share what your goal is. Share what works for you, what's not working. Be able to have someone to celebrate together with when those little victories and big victories happen. Having someone else is a really powerful motivator. Not that motivation is the thing to be the driving force, but accountability community in this process is going to really help us stick to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that can go into the that kind of, so there are the three laws of inversion of the habit loop to, to break that bad habit. The first one is to make the cues invisible. 
The second and third are to like make the habit unattractive and difficult. And that can, that's where community really comes in. It's really important. And this is maybe one of the most difficult things that your community supports the direction you are going, whether that is family, friends, the people you surround yourself um, in your career, your job, whatever. Those are the people that are either going to make it easy to continue with limiting habits or make it difficult or unattractive to follow through with those habits. If you are surrounding yourself with people who lift you up um, and, and encourage you to reframe your mindset, to, to be better, then it's going to be unattractive to be overspending on things that you don't truly value. And if you are spending time with people who like to do free things as much as you, it's going to make it difficult to overspend in the areas you don't want to spend on. So that's why we are so invested in having people around you who live the way you want to live. Yeah. And the the next portion of this article in, in talking about how to reform, redirect our habits has to do with mindset. I'll just list off the, the three that come next, and it's related to visualizing yourself succeeding, not needing to become someone else, but return to the old you, and some of the things that we can do to interrupt negative self-talk. And so I think each one could be implemented depending on your own personality and what makes sense to you. If you are someone who enjoys visualizing things and imagining yourself at the place that you want to be, then that might be a really helpful mindset for you in really daydreaming and and envisioning this new life can help. It's not going to be the only thing. It's not some magic pill, but it does help us to imagine and keep that goal in focus. The next tip related to the not needing to be someone else, just return to the old you, that's a mindset shift of recognizing that you don't need to become a new person. Chances are that the habits you're trying to break is in some form a return to maybe who you used to be. Like they use the Mm -hmm. example of smoking. Chances are you weren't born smoking. So it's not, it's not that you need to quit smoking. It's more this mindset of you need to return to being a non-smoker. You probably have not spent money your whole life. So it's not like, I don't, I need to just not be this type of person, but rather go back to the more simple ways of life. This, I think, breaks down at some point, but I think Mm -hmm. that that mindset can be helpful in, I think what it's primarily getting at is the narrative and the story we tell ourselves about who we are. And that can be a big barrier in us achieving and experiencing change is, well, this is who I am. I'm an overspender. I'm a smoker. I'm a couch potato, like whatever words you would want to put on it. And we take that on as an identity. And I think that this exercise is mostly pointing at how do we shed those negative self-talks that aren't beneficial to us, mostly even aren't 
aren't true, that these aren't identifying identity pieces. So there's that one. And then using the word but overcome self-talk. And I like the examples that they give, you know, maybe moving from if you feel like you're a person who's a failure, you might have this narrative in your head going, I'm a failure, I'm a failure. And maybe it's shifting it to I'm a failure, but everybody fails sometimes. Or if you feel like no one respects me, I'm, I'm not a respectable person, no one respects me, but I'm working to develop a valuable skill. So it's really shifting where we typically go, what we say about ourselves to the action that we're trying to put towards change. And again, that's all, that's mindset. That's taking our thoughts, um, being aware of them, how they are moving our behaviors and shifting that because it all begins in our mind. And when we can shift the way that we think, then we can shift the way that we behave. Yeah. And these mindsets are, you know, the I'm stupid, I'm a failure. Those are not the mindsets you want to stick with the but is simply just something mm. to add at the end yes. instead of a period. Eventually, you want to be able to say, I'm not a failure. I failed at this one thing. Mm. Yeah. But failing and failing better is part of success. Yeah. Adding the buts is just the first step. <laughs> Good yes. point, Jen. You don't want to yeah. stay there. <laughs> Right. And the more you dive into creating a growth mindset and developing good habits and and breaking limiting ones, the more you develop this language. It's, It's language that you have to learn. And it's difficult to learn after years of saying, like, I'm bad with money. I need to spend money to feel better. All of these narratives that we talk to ourselves about money. It's hard to break those narratives. You have to learn the language to replace the narratives you're telling yourself. And that kind of leads the the last one is to plan for failure. And this is so important because we all slip up every now and then. It's what the article says. And it's not even I we see failure as like this it's a big negative thing. But failing at something or just not most of the times it's just not succeeding in the way that you thought you would succeed. It's not failure. So I think the idea is that if you plan for failure It's not in a self-sabotaging way where you try something, but you don't give it your 100% because you just assume you'll fail. So we're not talking about that, but we're talking about know that you're going to make mistakes. Know that you're not going to be perfect. Know that you're not going to succeed in the way that you think you should succeed in order to define success. So when you're building a habit there's a lie out there that says it's going to take you 21 days to build a habit. And the reality is it takes, you know, at least 66, somewhere closer to 120. So whatever you're working on, whatever habit you're working on, you'll be working on it for three to six months at least. And you're not going to be perfect, especially in the first couple weeks. And that's when most people will give up when they're trying to break uh, a limiting habit. So plan to not be perfect. Plan to not succeed in the way you think you should. Yes, so true. I also 
love the way that this article wraps up in this where to go from here section. And I appreciate the way that they highlight that it's very easy for us to get caught up in how we feel about our bad habits or what, you know, we might label them our bad habits. And we can feel guilty or we will spend our time dreaming up how we wish things were, but our feelings are not necessarily what's going to actually be the factor that moves us to action. It's more so an awareness of what's happening, gathering up information that's going to actually make the change. So great intro into kind of next steps to take. So I would encourage anyone to check out this article, but they list out questions that you can be asking yourself. Like, when does your bad habit actually happen? How many times a day are you engaging in this habit? Where are you? Who are you with? What triggers the behavior and and causes it to start? And so even just simply tracking, very similar to how we approach our personal finances from the start of just tracking, where's my money going? How's it being spent? Who am I with? What what happened just before it? All of these things are so interconnected. And if we can remove some of those feelings, emotional baggage around it, and just be curious about ourselves, the our own researchers, if you will, gathering this information, it's that information that's going to fuel and inform the next steps after you've tracked all of these things. And you can look back on that with that curious I and think, okay, then what can I do? What what triggers this? How can I eliminate those triggers? What are what's what's the cue craving reward? What can I be doing instead just before this habit might be triggered? How can I replace it? What would be something that's effective? Where is this beginning? What does this tell me about myself? What is it that I'm trying to avoid? Are there other coping mechanisms that I'm going to feel better about? And all of these things, all of these questions will move us towards growth, where we're not going to fall into those first three habits that we talked about in that first article. We are more equipped once we go through this process to combat some of those other ways that we might be tend we might tend to pull in that direction, but we can be more intentional as a result of asking ourselves this and paying attention and replacing, not just eliminating. Yes. You know what will never replace or eliminate and that i have missed so much the bill of the week that's right it's time for the best minute of your entire week maybe a baby was born and his name is william maybe you paid off your mortgage Maybe your car died, and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, Buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the Bill of the Week. Hey, Jen and Jill. I have a very small but sweet Bill of the Week for you regarding eggs. I, like many Americans, have not been able to find eggs that cost less than, I don't know, 8 to $10 a dozen. So I was shopping at my local big box store and I wasn't completely floored that there were no eggs left that weren't the very, very high natural, whatever variety. And I just wanted, I just wanted eggs, some large eggs. I saw one carton left of eggs kind of lurking in the back behind the price tag $1.99. Open them up. One of the eggs was cracked. And I thought, you know what, for $1.99, I'm just going to get 11 eggs. So I get to the front, start to check out. 
And I tell the cashier, like, ah, oh, you know, he's very sweet. And I say, oh, I, there, this was the only one left. I can't believe I'm buying eggs that, that you know, have cracked egg them, in them. And he just kind of laughed. And when he ran across the scanner, I saw they rang up 449. So I said, oh, no, this must have also been in the wrong place. But, you know, I'm still desperate for eggs. So I'll still buy them. And he just laughed very kindly and said, you know what? He said, I'll give them to you for that. I'm going to take off more, too. He changed the price of those eggs to $1.49. And it was just it was just a really nice day. And I just went through those eggs very slowly because I was just so grateful to have a dozen eggs. And yes, I even used the crack one for $1.49. All right. Thanks, Jen and Jill. Have a great day. Oh my gosh. Katie, your eggs for $1.49. Hey, what a relatable and sad experience. B, congratulations. Your kindness got you a discount, and that is fantastic. Kindness always wins. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it doesn't, but I love it when it does. Well, (laughs) in this community, kindness always wins, even if it's not monetary wins. Oh, that's so true, Jen. You know what? I don't think I've ever heard a story of an egg negotiation, but I love this. I don't even know if you intended to be negotiating, Katie, but that's the way that I'm interpreting this story is that you took your carton of eggs and you negotiated it down to $1.49. You negotiated with kindness. And what an amazing bill. And how interesting that something like that can really just shift the course of a day. I'm so glad that you had a great experience with this cashier, that you even used the cracked egg. I hope you didn't get sick. Um, (laughs) but well done yes well we love hearing about deals yes and it is i mean eggs man they have had their 15 minutes uh this year (laughs) for sure all the people who have been raising chickens are like see this is why you yep your thousand dollar investment has saved you money in the long run (laughs) But I have been using, so I'll make a a baked oatmeal like almost every weekend and it calls for two eggs. And this year I have been going down to one egg and one flax egg. It works. A flax egg. egg, And and I could do two flax eggs. I just kind of like to split the difference. But it's a tablespoon of ground flaxseed, two tablespoons of water. You mix it up and let it sit for a few minutes. And it gets a kind of a gelatinous consistency. And it works just like an egg uh, in baked goods. So you've got some great tips, Jen. You should start a podcast. Oh, thank you. Once you're done having babies. Thank you. Maybe I will. Um, sometimes I will replace eggs with applesauce. Yes. Another good. Vegans. I don't know if applesauce is any cheaper than eggs, but. (laughs) Vegans are having their moment for sure. Because they're like, "Mm, no, no $8 eggs for us. Mm -mm." No, we've been, we've been living this life. That is. (laughs) And that's what we got out of this bill of the week. And well done, Katie. If you all listening want to submit your bill, if you're a vegan having your 15 minutes or you're a chicken farmer (laughs) having your 15 minutes or you are just out there slaying like Katie, negotiating your eggs at the checkout counter, 
we want to hear about it or just any other podcast or any other bill related to anything related to bills. We keep it loosey goosey. Visit frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill. Leave us your bill. We are here for it. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. And now it's time for the lightning round. Welcome back, Jen. I hope you've been saving those intense sound effects for me. Um, you just feel like you've been, been building missing, it up. Missing my aggression. Yes. I am excited for this lightning round because I had an immediate answer. And I've heard Jill's answer was also immediate, but has changed. But we'll see. Do you want me to go first or you? Do you need time to think of a new one? Yeah, please go first. (laughs) All right. So the question is, what's a recent habit you had to replace and how did you do it? So for the first six weeks of my new son's life, I ate frozen waffles every morning for six weeks. Love that. It's now, great- hold on. Can I can I pause you in your sh- in your story? Yeah. Can I interject? Was there any shame in that? Was that an active choice that you felt good about? It was not an, a choice that I made intentionally at first. Before I went to the hospital, I filled up my freezer with food, because and just easy food, and waffles were the first thing to go. I, it was my treat for making it through the night. I got through the night because I knew waffles were in the morning. (laughs) It was, that was a real thing. I literally was up several times a night, but I'm like, in the morning, I'm making waffles in the toaster oven. (laughs) Yes, like Donkey (laughs) Dom Shrek. Yes. So that really got me through the first few weeks and then just became a habit. It just became a habit every morning for six weeks. And at that time, I'm like, this is not a treat anymore. I need to redirect this. So uh, I have replaced it with eggs because I have an endless amount of money at my disposal. And so I have been 
eating egg cups and breakfast burritos. So like, you know, turkey bacon and eggs inside of tortilla. That is literally my breakfast burrito. Two slices of turkey bacon, an egg, and a low-carb tortilla. That's my breakfast burrito. It's not fancy, but I love it. Or like Mm -hmm. an egg cup. Each like muffin tin has one egg and a like an apple or not an apple, a chicken sausage, a a morning chicken sausage. So that is what I have replaced my waffles with. But that's work, and you might not have been able to do I was that not, in right. the previous six weeks. Right, and I'll meal plan them. So, like, on Sunday, I'll go through a dozen eggs between making my egg cups and my breakfast burrito, and I'll just bake both. So, like, I'll do six eggs, whip them up, and put them in the egg cups with the chicken sausages, and then the other six I'll put into a glass baking dish, and I'll put all those in the oven, bake them, and then they're there. For the week. So it's not that much work because I still, my son's, you know, almost like just nine weeks old. So is he still very tiny? No, I mean, he's huge. Mm-hmm. He's a chomp. <laughs> but he's, you know, compared to regular sized humans, tiny. Right. And he still wakes compared up. Compared to other night. babies his size, he's, he's right in the pack. But yes. Oh, my God. He's so big. Well, and how interesting. I think what you're saying is bringing up such a good point. I think sometimes we can identify this has now become a bad behavior, what a behavior we want to replace, mm-hmm. where it was a habit that was intentional to begin with. So it was almost as if, you know, when we talk about cue craving reward. And and one of the ways to replace a habit is to give yourself some sort of reward. And what's that going to be? And it sounds like that was the response to a previous larger issue of sleepless nights. Mm -hmm. And how will I get through this sleepless night with a good attitude, doing the things that I need to be doing? Your reward, which made sense at the time, were waffles. And now that's kind of turned into this coping mechanism, habit, whatever you want to call it, that now you want to replace. And I think that will probably, that cycle will probably keep happening throughout And I replaced it with something just as delicious and just, I mean, almost just as easy to make. Because in the mornings, I literally just pop them into the microwave and Mm -hmm. they're good. And they're very quick to prep. I'll prep them when I make dinner on Sunday night. That's when I throw the eggs in the oven. So I've been doing that for a few weeks and it's been great. And it has been like an even replacement. I just made, so I was saying how I made like an oatmeal bake every weekend until I gave birth. And I've, in this two months, I've just made my first one again this past weekend. So that was something I really enjoyed that has been too much work up until this point. And I probably still am not going to make them every weekend. Just this weekend was a, you know, a good, Mm -hmm. I found myself at 30 minutes of time. To do something I think extra, it just highlights so, that yeah. it might be for some it's a bad habit for others it's a fine habit for for mm-hmm. some seasons of life it's okay and then other times we want to shift it so I think yeah. it really your story in this is highlighting just the permission there and to just yeah. focus on one thing at a time before it was sleep and survival now it's 
okay, what's how can I feed my body a little bit more healthy, sustainable yeah. foods? And it's why so, I don't like great. using the term bad habit because mm-hmm. long term eating waffles every morning is a bad habit. But for me, it was not a bad habit. It was just a a limiting habit. And it was for intentional for a reason. And then when I decided that I didn't want that anymore, though I do still love waffles, I went through a lot of maple syrup. I, my checkbook could not handle the amount of maple syrup I went through. Uh, I had to switch to Right, 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 right. Same, same, same. Like mine's not a bad habit. You know, it serves me. This makes me sound so like more PG, but like, honestly, I could have the same, Jill and I could be telling the same story. So don't, don't get it twisted. Um, Okay. Jen has encouraged me to not eliminate what I was, the only thing I could think to offer to you fine folks (laughs) listening to this podcast. And she's encouraging me towards vulnerability. And and here it is. I I do like to be authentic and I'm, I'm not ashamed of this. And I am a work in progress. Now, I have been on a journey of what I feel is an okay amount of consumption of alcohol. I have no problems with alcohol, like as far as the way that I view it or the way that I engage with it. But there are times that I can kind of ebb and flow with, oh, I I would like to be abstinent from this thing for a time. And so... I, I would say more recently, it's been, I don't, it's honestly, I think I've heard from so many people through the pandemic how alcohol consumption went up a little bit because what else are you going to do when you're sitting at home and working from home? And not that I drank while I was working, still have some standards around that. Um, stay tuned though. And and I think just there, there were times where I went months without consuming alcohol. And then I was like, I enjoy it, though. It's a fun thing to do out with friends and we've got people visiting. So anyhow, all that to say, more recently, I've just been trying to limit how much I'm consuming, keeping track of what that is. I never will have more than one or two drinks like uh, on any given day. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I hate the feeling of being drunk. I just enjoy a nicely crafted cocktail or a glass of wine. But even still, I don't want to do that every day. I want my body to be able to get nutrients. <laughs> and so anyhow, I've gone through seasons where a glass of wine or a cocktail almost marks the end of the day for me and realizing that, okay, okay this might have become a habit, this kind of ritualized behavior. It's how I'm marking the movement of one of, of you know, maybe work life into personal life kind mm-hmm. of a thing. And And so I have worked on replacing that with something, realizing I can't just not do this. There's I'm going for something in the fridge. And so I've replaced it with either tea or something I've really been enjoying. Honestly, I know this sounds so silly, but just like iced lemon water is so refreshing to me as we're getting into the summer months. So that has really worked. But also... I'm not abstinent from alcohol altogether. So there you have it. Like I'm the I'm trying to hold the radical middle even in that even as I see all of these people moving towards abstinence on all things is the key to well-being. 
I think for me, there's permission for that to be different while also identifying what's going to be best for me. And can I replace some of this with enjoyable bevies, enjoyable non-alcoholic bevies? Yes. I mean, I, I too enjoy an alcoholic bevy and I've been abstinent from them for nine months. So being pregnant, uh, kind of forces your hand in that regard. Yeah. It's the worst. So I could say the same thing. Um, but no, mine was waffles, but (laughs) to each their own. (laughs) It's, yeah. We just love food and drink, folks. We do. What more can we say? And that's going to be, a, I think, a lot of people is one of, I mean, probably you should probably work on one habit at a time. And probably the first habit is going to be something food related. And so know that we are with you on that. Uh, mm. so, sometimes you replace cheap waffles for very expensive eggs, but sometimes you replace expensive alcohol with really inexpensive lemon water. So look at your habits, <laughs> pick one, and uh, start to replace it. Know that you will not do it perfectly, just like Jill. I'm not doing it perfectly, but I all I will say though, as it relates to spending, because there is an intersection here, spe- you know, especially when it comes to food and alcohol. One of the shifts that Eric and I have made in the last few months is not buying alcohol out, which might not be everybody's story, but for us, that's an that's a big expense mm-hmm. is alcohol out. For us, we'd rather, and we used to like do bartending events and that kind of thing, so we can make really enjoyable cocktails. So we do that at home. The other choice that we made is to not have all the different types of liquor on hand and feel like we have to keep stocking our cabinet, but choosing one. So right now we've chosen, we're just going to have gin on hand. And that has helped to cut down the budget. And when the gin's gone, that's it. When the gin's <laughs> until gone. The next, until the next, um, I don't know, month or whatever. I, I can't tell you exactly my timing on all of that. But making ways where it can be connected to some of these financial decisions and then creating some of those limiting factors, removing some of those triggers, putting some parameters in place that is also helping our finances too, which is great. Mm-hmm. Hope that that was helpful, informative, encouraging, <laughs> permissive, whatever you needed this episode to be. Thank you for listening. Many of you know, but we're going to say it again, we have a membership for our listeners, many of which are paying down debt or they're getting after other personal finance goals. We're here for it all. We do monthly money challenges. We offer accountability groups. You can connect with other frugal friends, have someone to help build and replace habits with together. And we want to congratulate one of our members for a big win. This comes from Vanessa B who writes, big win, teaching the next generations. I was asked to teach cooking classes for our junior high students at my school. So I asked my principal if I could add a financial component to it. And she said, absolutely. They need to develop these skills. 
At the end of the class, I made them look through the flyers and they had to pick 10 products that their family uses and that they considered on sale. They kept asking, but how are we going to know? And I'd answer, well, that's the thing. The first time you do it, you don't know. But I'm hoping that by June, you are masters at recognizing what's a good price. They're keeping a logbook. Anyway, I feel so full after that class. I loved sharing those tricks with them and I can see that they see the value in them. I even told them if your parents slash you save money on groceries, that means more money for things you like, values-based budgeting, celebration emoji. I even got to bring back some food that would have gone to waste at home afterwards. Apparently no one likes mushrooms. Oh my crazy, gosh. Crazy eye emoji. Vanessa, I love so much of this. this is so great. I love it whenever I can talk to a young person about spending money because we're expected to just get into college and move out and know how to spend money, know how to get a legitimately good deal. But so often we're not taught. We're just we're just taught, look for the sale or not even. Uh, so this is such great, great information, way more important than the Pythagorean theorem. I'm sorry for everyone that uses <laughs> sorry, sorry, the Pythagorean sorry. theorem on a day-to-day <laughs> basis. But this is better to me. Yeah. Well done, Vanessa. And thanks again for listening, everyone. If you want to check out that membership where Vanessa is and other amazing frugal friends, where we also have all kinds of courses, interviews, challenges to make it fun, and so much more, head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash club. You can just kind of see see what we got, see if it's a good fit. Yeah, see you next time. Frugal Friends is produced by Eric Siriani. Jen, we did it. Welcome back. Oh How'd that gosh. feel? It felt I felt a little rusty. Oh, you didn't seem it to me. But I feel like I'm back. Like it's uh it's good to be back. I feel like I'm talking to our frugal friends and not just to, to an infant who like can't reciprocate. <laughs> like yes. I view when I'm when I'm talking on the podcast, I view this like inanimate woman driving her car. Like yes. hearing knowledge bombs and like having her life changed. And that might be a little <laughs> arrogant know. of me. <laughs> yeah. I I'm, came I back just... with an ego. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that is much more. Uh, but I cannot see the person listening. So that's I'm allowed to think that. And when I see my uh, son sitting on my lap and I'm talking to him and he's just like nothing. And I'm like, oh man, you got, I, maybe he'll I'm retain dumb. it. Ma- you should no, still like I teach mean, him everything. He might retain it. I possibly. picture a woman definitely in the car. That's, that's for sure. And, mm-hmm. and when I'm not picturing that it's a woman running or walking with earbuds in occasionally needing to stop and tie her shoes. I never realized it until right now as I'm putting into words. Like, I picture some woman running and stopping to tie her shoes. Wow. While she listens to us. I know, that's weird. It's very weird. So the woman tying her shoes, we're we're here for you today. This message is for you. You're great. If you're just feeling, I think also more so than knowledge bombs, 
feeling like I think just feeling a sigh of relief and permission is like Mm -hmm. she's holding the wheel and she's like, okay, Mm. like feeling permission. Mm. Um, Yeah. So maybe that's what I mean by knowledge bombs. (laughs) Meanwhile, all of our actual listeners are like listening to us on the toilet. (laughs) Like we're not driving or running. Oh my gosh. We're going to the bathroom. Please follow us on Instagram at Frugal Friends Podcast and let us know where you're listening from. Please. (laughs) We are on Instagram. Please let us know what you're feeling. And and maybe maybe I'll picture you. Or maybe if you don't want me to picture you, don't comment. But I will, I'll keep the face ambiguous. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 